When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into a News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, uh, yeah, yeah, that's about right. Jaguars didn't have a fun night over on uh, Sunday Night Football. Not at all, man. And two um, primetime games within three weeks. And Jacksonville laid an egg in both. Of course, you lose 34-31 to Cincinnati and backup quarterback Jake Browning in OT. Um, and then you go on the road and lose to the Browns, 31-27, backup quarterback not even a backup, a practice squad veteran quarterback, Joe Flacco. Uh, he carves you up, and then at least Lamar Jackson was a name brand. It wasn't a backup <laughs> quarterback, uh, Dyson. And, you know, Jacksonville's defense, I thought, played well against the Ravens, but the offensive issues are a concern and consistent and have been plaguing them throughout the year. And uh, you just have to wonder if, A, if Jacksonville peaked, B, do they have the kind of mental fortitude and, and the, the fight to get back and turn this season around? And if the injury bug, I know people hate using injuries as an excuse, but do they have too many injuries to too many key players to overcome? Um, I've not seen much from backups who have stepped into those roles uh, who have, who have um, you know, can be tasked with replacing the Christian Kirks and uh, those guys that have been out with an injury. So somebody made a really good point to me that I don't think we've dove into just yet so trevor lawrence and christian kirk both got hurt that same week right monday night football Mm -hmm. against the cincinnati Bengals. the jaguars with christian kirk on the field they were eight and three he catches a big play they're going down to score everything is right christian kirk goes out of the game and they lose that game things haven't been the same it's never it hasn't been the same since like that if there was a moment where your season instantly Uh. derailed it has to be that catch right. where it was like he caught it, went to the ground, and everybody was like, is he okay? And now then it immediately was he's out, done for the year. Ooh. Oh, my gosh, the Jaguar season has come off the rails. And if when we talk about it, it almost all goes back to that moment. They were 8-3. and three. Right. They, There was a big play. I mean, he could have scored on that play. Or at the very least, they were deep in position. They were getting ready to go score and take the lead, and then boom. It's not been the same since. And, you know, if you could see us now uh, just both shaking our heads at this because that's why you just cannot believe how this season has played out. Um, you know, 8-3 and three at that point when that Christian Kirk, I think it was the first play from Jaguar scrimmage that night, right? Yeah. First play from Jaguar scrimmage. and Everybody's feeling uh, good. It felt good after that throw, and it was not the same since that game. You know, but in that game, it was it was the defense that struggled not necessarily offense. Offense put up 31 points, but so many things have gone wrong. I mean, that was the first of three consecutive losses. You know, we were talking that that week, had Jacksonville beaten the Bengals that night, they would have been the number one seed in the AFC. The AFC, not the AFC South. And in position for that first-round playoff by home field advantage in the playoffs. And now you're just hoping that Jacksonville can correct some of these mistakes over these final three weeks and hold on to the AFC South lead. I mean, you and I talked about this before that Texans game, how little margin for error was if they lost that Texans game. They were fortunate to win that one, but they've responded by 
inconsistent issues, and you can't be in week 15, 16 of an NFL season and still be running 12 men out on the field. You cannot have these issues at home, no less. You can't have guys jumping off sides on a punt. Um, you just can't have that. They've had too many of those. So the mental mistakes, the mental mistakes have really added up for this team. So let's, let's try and get to the bottom of this, right? Let's put our heads together and let's see where it went wrong and if there's time to fix it. So if I'm trying to put my finger on just what's gone wrong for this team, I think we go back to the offseason. I think Trent Baalke, I think the Jaguars front office, I think the coaching staff, I think they overvalued some stuff. I really do. I think that winning streak masked a lot of the problems that the team had on the roster, and they said, mm, we're just going to bank on the growth of our young players rather than working to improve this roster. We're going to bank that this guy is going to take a big jump. We're going to bank that another guy is going to take a big jump, and we're just going to run it back with the same guys plus Calvin Ridley. And I think that was, we see now, the wrong move because they haven't, while there have been incremental steps, from some of these young players, there's been an incremental step from Trayvon Walker, an incremental step from Devin Lloyd. There hasn't been this stratos- stratospherical jump for either one of them. And then injuries also happen. Yep. So uh, Tyson's banged up. So you don't know where he's stepped up to. You don't know just where Andre Sisko's at because he's been banged up over the course of the year. So y- they banked on these young players being healthy and taking these next steps in their career. And then injuries, which is right. part of the NFL game, happened. And now they're sitting there looking at each other and saying, well, we don't know how to fix this thing. I think it all starts there. I think they made a wrong decision during the offseason to say, let's just run it back plus Calvin Ridley, and which zeroes its, it, uh, hit its own conversation. Uh, but I, I think that's where it all starts. I think uh, there's validity to that. But when you look back at the offseason and – Issues we thought back then yep. were issues. There was not an impetus to fortify that offensive line. There was not an emphasis to um, get a pass rusher high in the draft. There was not an emphasis on um, getting some depth guys. Um, and you just and you're seeing that happen now. The offensive line, I, I feel like a broken record. It was a slightly below average unit returning this year. Um, with I mean last year. Uh, PFF rankings, I think, had them 21 or 22 in the league with Juwan Taylor last year. Okay, you add a rookie in Anton Harrison, that's going to take them down a peg. So you're already starting with an offensive line that was not one of the league's premier units. You've taken Cam Robinson out for the first four games with a PED injury uh, suspension, and then you've had the knee injury, which has knocked him out for uh, the foreseeable future. Walker Little's been banged up. Um, Brandon Sheriff has just been kind of a guy. Luke Fortner's just kind of been a guy. Anton's had the, the rookie issues. So you've not had that consistency on the offensive line. Trevor Lawrence has been sacked 32 times. And I, I think that inconsistency on the offensive line. The running game, you've had one 100-yard run, running back this year. Travis Etienne rushed for buck 35 against Buffalo. That's it. His next highest total since that game has been 79 yards. 79 yards rushing. I thought they ran the ball well. To begin with, against Baltimore, they gave up on that early uh, on Mon- on Sunday night. Trevor Lawrence led the team in rushing 41 yards against Baltimore, and that was just kind of garbage time scrambles. Um, so you don't have that consistency up front, and that's a big deal. I mean, Trevor, to me, I don't think you're—I don't think he's comfortable back there. You have no running game behind you. Um, you you have a fourth string left tackle 
two weeks ago uh, trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. So I do think Trevor is trying to overcompensate and make plays happen. I don't think Trevor is going to be a great quarterback. I think he needs he needs players around him to make him better. I think he's a he's he is going to be a good quarterback in this league. I don't think he's a generational guy, but he needs players around him to perform. Trevor, when he's given time and he can throw the ball and work, he's a good, darn good player. Uh, it, but he, when you're operating with a fourth-string left tackle, when you have no running game, when you can't get uh, a yard on third and one, I think that's an issue. I think he's trying to overcompensate for that. And the issues we thought were going to be issues back in March are issues now, and they're even greater. Yeah, I, look, I think some of the stuff has, has definitely shown itself. I don't know if I'm ready to make a definitive uh, decision on where Trevor Lawrence will be when his career is set and done. Um, I think, like, one of the conversations that's been around on sports social media because of some of Cam Newton's comments has been game managers um, and game changers. And I think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that calling a guy a game manager is an insult. Tom Brady was a game manager for years. When he, he first started his career early in New England as a starter, he was a game manager. That was his job. Mm-hmm. Don't don't mess it up, and if we need you late, go make a play for us. Game manager. Manage the game. And he made the plays. And, and he made the <laughs> plays. And then eventually, he became a game changer. Mm-hmm. Some guys walk in the league and they're game changers from day one. Some guys don't. Some guys take two years. Some guys take three years. Some guys take four years before they become game changers. But that's ultimately what teams bank on. Right now, is Trevor Lawrence a game manager? Yes. Yes. He is. And that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being a game manager because the idea is, and this is where we start getting into the logistics of his contract, he's getting paid this offseason. Yes. And I don't think anyone here is going to argue that the Jaguars shouldn't pay him. Absolutely not. Pay the man right now if you can. But you can't. you got to wait till I th- the offseason. I think people expected Trevor to come into this league and be, for lack of a better term, a Patrick Holmes, Peyton Manning 2.0. Guys that elevated the game, carried sure. their teams to the Super Bowl, that kind of player. He has not been that. He's not had the infrastructure around him on this team in Jacksonville in basically any of his three years. Jacksonville this season, it's number ones. I think we're fine. Um, you know, you saw what you had with those number ones last year. You know, we even – I remember you asking Trent uh, Trent Baalke earlier in the offseason about you comfortable with Trey Herndon. Hey, we won playoff games with Trey Herndon. So, mm-hmm. I think Jacksonville's number ones, had they all been healthy through the season, we would be talking differently right now. I think Jacksonville's number ones – we're fine to get them back and, and play well. But you've not had that. You've had the injuries, and uh, the offensive line situation has been terrible. So um, I think Trevor needs good players around him. He's not a Peyton Manning. He's and Again, he doesn't have to be. He can be an exceptionally good quarterback in this league um, and not be – You know, I, people bought into the hype. This was Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck 2.0. He's not that – at this point in his career, so that's been a huge disappointment. But he's a quarterback right now. He's a quarterback of the future. I'm not upset about them re-signing Trevor or, bring it, or paying him to bank. You want a franchise quarterback. You want to develop that guy. Trevor is that guy. So, again, I don't, I don't, I see where you're going, and I'm not dis- necessarily disagreeing with your current statement. I just don't think that that's a I – don't, I don't think we should make definitive statements on who he is in the future. Like currently right now, he's not comparative to those people. But if I was building a team around Peyton Manning right now, 
What does Peyton Manning need to be successful? Uh, age. He needs to be a lot younger. Well, <laughs> no, all right. He, he needs an offensive line. And he what needs has some Trevor Lawrence – can you definitively say – and, I, like, I'm not going to go and be a Colts historian here, but in Peyton Manning's best years, he had a hall – a what should be a Hall of Fame center in right. front of him. Je- Trevor, he had an right. awesome offensive line he just had a, about every year. He Even in Denver, he had a great offen- offensive line. Because he was a right. statue. Right. Trevor Lawrence hasn't even had a mediocre offensive line. Right. They, we can argue to a blue that, oh, well, this guy's fine. They've tried to make improvements here. The the statistics, the analytics all have said that it's a subpar offensive Absolutely. line. Absolutely. So he has he been given every opportunity to succeed? And I understand, like, yeah, they're putting receivers in front of him. And it's never – the flashy thing to go in and fix your offensive line. It's not the flashy pick. I mean, we questioned Anton Harrison, mm-hmm. who's been fantastic um, and is going to be a starter for the Jaguars for a long time, hopefully. It's never the flashy thing to fix the trenches. But I don't think it's fair to make some of these definitive statements and definitive decisions on Trevor when he has not been given the one thing that every quarterback with a similar skill set to him needs. Now, guys like Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, they're different. They're different breeds. They don't need it. They can run around. They still need it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen the Kansas City Chiefs. They're spending on the offensive line. But Receivers in in Kansas City are awful. Receivers there are awful. But they've opted to say, look, if we can give our guy time, he can make the average guys competent. Mm-hmm. They, they, their guys have shown they're not even average. As opposed to where the Jaguars have opted to build differently. They said, we're going to go play Christian Kirk. We're going to go get Calvin Ridley. And we're just going to roll with the offensive line we got. Like, Cam's fine. Like, I don't think anybody's going to say Cam's elite. They have the, the, kind of the, the book on Jacksonville, the offensive line, they have guys. You're saying like, eh, it's just you know, Cam. You're, you want exactly. your left tackle to be a nasty mug. You want him to be in there, and you want him to be a mauler. And Cam is just kind of fun. Jawan Taylor was just kind of fun. Like here, here's my and and this should tell you everything you need to know about the offensive line and why I don't want. Like I see people saying the things about Trevor and oh, or was it time to have a conversation? And I've been critical of him at times. I don't feel like we're getting a fair look, at least this season. When we have this discussion in the offseason, and let's just let's just fast forward to the offseason. Let's say they go to the playoffs, they lose the first round. Let's just have the discussion. The Jaguars offensive line, the five players going into next year, who's your best offensive lineman? I already know who mine is and I don't have to debate on it. Gotta be Walker Little. You think Walker Little? I, I was gonna say Anton Harrison. I don't think I don't think You don't Anton's think Anton's that. better than Walker? I don't think so. I think yeah, I think Walker. I think, you're I, think be Walker I think Walker at this point. I'm not I'm not as high on Anton. At this point right now. I think a a rookie that's gone through and taken the steps this season and is going to solidify himself as a starter for you is possibly your best offensive lineman going into next year. Okay. Look, and I like Walker Little. I think Walker Little is going to be a starter next season for him too. But just that fact that you're saying a guy who, for the Jaguars, who his natural position is tackle, Mm -hmm. he can't even win this. He's not good enough to say – Y'all gonna have to bench Cam because he's just too good to be out on the field. Right. We gonna play him at guard. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's a team player. He can do it, and he's been fine there. And he's playing tackle now during an injury. But situation. he's just a guy. But they're all just guys. And that's the thing. Right. And he's got a bunch of just guys and guys that are on the last leg or guys that probably should be watching from the sideline blocking for him. Right. And at some point, you gotta give him a little bit of help. And yeah, he can he, look. Offensive lines have been built different ways. Some teams build up front. Trevor's guard play has never been spectacular. 
He's just never had a spectacular interior offensive line in front of him. He's never had what we call a spectacular offensive line. So that's why I don't think it's fair. We've seen what he can do. And and when we sit here and say it, you even said it just a second ago. When you're given time, yeah, he makes the throws. Absolutely. He's never had time. Absolutely. Think about it. Urban Meyer is rookie year. That offensive line was terrible. Terrible. 32 sacks that year and 32 this year through 14 games. Last year, the offensive line was meh for a little while. They, they held up. And, I mean, Jawan Taylor had the year of his life, and the Chiefs paid him, and the yep. Chiefs are having buyer's remorse of that right now. So, so you this, know. This is, in year three, this is the worst offensive line Trevor Lawrence has had. Not even a question. Not even close in his three seasons in the NFL. So, you know, I, I get the fact that people are disappointed. Not Not everybody disappointed in Trevor that he's – in a sense, been tabbed as this generational guy, and you, you've been given a game manager in a sense. I get it. I totally I, – I get fans being upset about that. When you're thinking you're getting Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning 2.0 and you get Kirk Cousins, um, it's it's disappointing. And you always going to bring Kirk I Cousins I knew he was going to circle that. But, again, that's what, you know, that's what fans were looking for. But Trevor Lawrence, I, I think people, fans, certain media – are judging him on an incomplete grade. And again, yes. you're you're looking at an offensive line that is the worst in Trevor Lawrence's career by the statistically. I mean, you're, Trevor had was sacked 32 times as a rookie during that awful Urban Meyer season. He's been sacked 32 times through 14 games this year, and he's not even finished one of those games. So, again, you you have a terrible offensive line, or say terrible, a very below average offensive line. Uh, you started your fourth string left tackle a couple weeks ago in Blake Hance. You have zero resemblance of a ground game. Your receivers are dropping like flies. Remember, Jamal Agnew just came off IR. Parker Washington has been extremely fire and ice. I mean, he's played unbelievable, made some good catches. And then you've got situations like the Ravens game where he decides to catch a ball inbounds with the clock running down. Uh, he's run the wrong routes. He's dropped, he dropped a terrible pass on a third and long right before the Trevor fumble on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, you're, you're dealing with guys around you. And, and Trevor, I think, is forced sometimes or press pressing too much. Um, I, I think Jacksonville, what's so disappointing is we, we saw this coming in March. We saw these issues in March that Jacksonville was not good not deep enough in spots to survive some of the issues that would pop up. Mm-hmm. And it's coming to fruition. The offensive line was almost, I mean, besides pass rusher, offensive line was what you needed to focus on. And uh, you, you replaced Juwan with Anton. I think that's a that's a neutral swap right there. Mm-hmm. And, again, you're, you're Walker Little for Cam Robinson. I mean, Luke Fortner kind of just a guy. Brandon Sheriff's not as good as he was. So you're, you're – the unit to grow, you subtracted, and again, it, it, you see it paying off right now that um, the issues on the offensive line, it's a cumulative effect. You can't run the ball. You, you can't give Trevor Lawrence confidence. I mean, look how Lamar Jackson last night had six and seven seconds on some of his dropbacks to pass. Right. Trevor has uh, the Trevor Rush, the end zone play where he was intentional grounding. He was he was running for his life at about two and a half seconds. Trevor has seven seconds over the course of five passes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, so at some point we're going to have to sit here and have the discussion of how to rebuild the Jaguars' offensive line. I don't know if this is the right moment to start that, but at some point we're going to get there because 
when you start talking about it, like you you mentioned Walker a little being your guy. I said Anton Harrison. Outside of those two, are you really married to anybody for next season Absolutely to stay around? Not. Absolutely not. Like you're, you're trying to figure out how to get rid of Brandon. You're trying to figure out if you can replace Luke. And then technically Ezra Cleveland's a free agent. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's been fine. Um, but he's I'll give him a mulligan because he's hurt. When he was healthy, he looked good. So maybe just a guy, just a guy. But he's he's just probably a guy. just a guy. So at the end of the day, you still have to find a way to upgrade on that offensive line. And regardless of how you go about it, the interior has to be rebuilt almost from scratch. Right. Um, so at some point, we're gonna have to have a. We might we might even do a whole episode on rebuilding the offensive line. Um, but right now, three games left in the season, and the Jaguars have to figure out how to fix themselves. Big the time. offensive line is banged up. Uh, Cam Robinson could be coming back at some point down the stretch of the season. Maybe that, but all that does is shake up your offensive line right. again. So now you bring Cam back in at left tackle. You move, I guess, Walker Little back into left guard and move Ezra Cleveland back to the bench. Or maybe you maybe you finally give Brandon Sheriff a little bit of rest for a couple of weeks. I, look, they'll, they'll have some decisions that got to be made. And the offensive line is a problem, but so have just been flat-out mistakes. Yes. I mean, turnovers, turnovers from Trevor. Turnovers from the receivers, false starts, jumping off sides. I mean, it, too many men on the field. It's it's these it's mental mistakes. Mm-hmm. At some point, again, I think I'm I'm pointing the the finger back to the off season. Of at some point, you have to start questioning: Are they bringing in the right people? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When you you know when your talent acquisition team decides, hey, these are the guys we want to bring in. I mean, you have analytics. You have um, every single metric available to you. And some of these guys are just not hitting on. I mean, Brandon Sheriff has been just okay. You signed him to a big deal. Um, you know, draft picks have just been okay. I mean, Chad Muma's not even seeing the field. I mean, that was a, a day two pick, you know, last year. Um, and I, I'll give I'll give Sheriff this. When they signed Sheriff, I remember them saying that Sheriff was a culture setter. They were, they were bringing him in because he's a culture setter. And from a, from a culture setter standpoint – I mean, he's banged up all the time, and he's always, he plays. He's a good leader in the locker room. He's a veteran voice. The problem is the play on the field. Like last year, I remember, at the beginning of the season, he was playing fine, and then toward the end of start to taper off, we're like, ah, you know, he's just – he got banged up. He's hurt. Next season, he'll get back to that that Brandon Sheriff. And it, it has, just ne- – I mean, has been. Has ne- not. Well, he got banged up again this year. Yeah. At some point, you start saying, look, maybe he's just always hurt. And that was, that was part of his problem when he was in Washington. He mm-hmm. was banged up a lot. Um, and maybe he's never going to be that player that he was again. I mean, look, he's late in the tooth. He's long, or long in the tooth and late in the career. But if he's helped get the culture maybe to where it needs to be. But the culture the culture's good, but it's not at the point where maybe it needs to be to hold some of these guys accountable for these mistakes that – keep popping up yeah uh, to me I would have tried to fortify that offensive line this year if you bypass the pass rusher yet I saw Cyrus Torrance out there you could have nabbed him on day two um you got to do something about that offense who would have done that they got a third string tight end and a third string (laughs) running back instead I mean it makes no sense and and they couldn't understand why everybody was questioning the Brenton Strange pick in that moment everybody's like why'd you draft a tight end what are you doing like and they were like, well, Brenton, best player available. Uh, best pl- 
best player available works when you're in year seven exactly. of the build. Exactly. When you have depth everywhere and you're just like, look, we, we can afford to go best player available. The Jaguars are not in that position. They're in year two of Doug Peterson's build, year three of the Trent Bulky build. I don't care which one of them is, it is. You take the best player available at a position of need. And Brenton Strange may be a fantastic tight end in his career. May play in the league for a long time. He was not at a position of need. No, not and after bringing Evan back. Not you after you, you, you were, were already Evan paying Evan. He was already on the tag. You knew he was going to sign. You were working on a long-term deal. You had Luke Farrell. You could go and get a body mm-hmm. and be okay. You drafted Brenton Strange. This is nothing against Brenton Strange. Uh, seems like a nice person. Seems like a solid player. But that pick in and of itself is a question mark. It's like, what were you doing? Right. I'm, go, I'm with you. I go agree. get a pass rusher. Go get an offensive lineman. Hell, if they'd have got a cornerback, I'd have been like, okay, I can understand this. This makes sense. Yep. If it, just about anywhere. If, you, if they'd have drafted a wide receiver, everybody would have been like, all right, I see. I see what you're doing here. I can see the vision. Like, get Trevor all these weapons. But you go and get a tight end. And not a tight end who has, like, this prolific receiving history. Like, if they'd have brought in Dalton Kincaid some mm-hmm. kind of way, everybody would be like, all right, I see the vision. Maybe they're not going to sign Evan to this long-term deal or whatever. Or, or they're envisioning two receiving tight ends, get big bodies out there. No. Just no. Yeah. It, uh, it's I, like, I, I know that, to me, was a wasted pick. And. Again, he may be fine long term, but it was not a guy this year. I mean, you had it doesn't help you. you it doesn't you, help you win games. You now. had chances to fortify other areas of of your team, and to me, you knew you were bringing Evan back. You had Luke Farrell; they liked him. You had Garrett Prince, who you're bringing back; they liked him. Um, to me, just a bad, bad pick. I mean, Tank Bigsby, again, may be good long term, but he's not been that guy. He's been a, a turnover waiting to happen. He's not had a good season. Strange has kind of just been a wash. I know he's got a touchdown catch, but kind of just been another just kind of guy in the system. Um, not just not not impressive. I mean, the draft halls these last two years um, to me have not been good. I, I did not understand the Chad Muma pick when you got Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker as well. Um, yeah, just a lot of question marks for me. I, I'm just curious if they can turn it around right now. I mean, Tampa Bay's hot. You're going down there in a must-win game for you. The Bucs are, are going for a, um, a division title of their own. You know they're going to be jacked. And it just feels like this almost feels like Tennessee last year where the wheels fell off the Titans and things just never got back. The Titans lost in Week 18 to Jags. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jacksonville just feels like, yeah, you can say all these correctable mistakes and control things we can control and fix the things we need, you know, that we are in control of. Well, it's, it's been three weeks. You're still making the same exact errors you were making, things that have been working all season long. Brandon McManus had hit 18 field goals in a row at one point. He's won for his last five. Uh, it's just things, yeah, things that you can control. And I, I get a kick out of coaches saying, hey, that's on me. That's on me as a coach. I take responsibility. That doesn't, I, I don't give a crap about that. You, you can say that all you want. Fix the problems. I mean – Correctable well, mistakes, yeah. You you've been saying this for three weeks in a row, and even before that. Well, the problem is uh, with with the mistakes that are popping up, and the way Doug Peterson approaches the coaching aspect, it's tough mm-hmm. because the, while yes, they are correctable, 
He can't fix it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's not scheme exactly. that's the problem. It's it's silly mistakes from the play. I mean, Trevor's just running down the field and drops, drops the, the ball. ball. Drops the ball. You know, the, those are things that the co- the coach can't go play the game. It's like when I was in in school, my mom used to tell me when I was studying for a test, she was like, "I can't go take the test for you." But can so, you? <laughs> it's you know, so it's the, but it's the same thing. So he can he can know that you can't do this. But Sometimes you got to go you have to have faith in the guys to actually make the play, and, and, and they're for not whatever reason. It. It is it, the the cumulative effects, the issues, the problems. Again, Jake Brownie, you can't allow him to go 32 of 37 for 354. No. I mean, the guy making his second start, Joe Flacco, fresh off the practice squad, and you know people say, oh, he's a Super Bowl MVP. Well, see, Joe Montana is too. He couldn't have done that. You know, I mean, there are things that yeah, things we can control, we can control. But at some point, you have to see the results of that preaching control, we can control, and you have to wonder. You've lost three in a row, almost the opposite effect of last year where you're hot, you're the darlings of the league, get hot at the right time, you're a great story, and now, you know, you're you were expected to be contending the season. Three weeks ago, you were contending for the number one seed in the AFC in a home playoff game and a first-round bye, and now you got two teams nipping on your heels, and you're wondering just trying to hold on to that AFC South title. It's just it, unbelievable how quickly the season has flipped. Yeah, th- things have gone – Completely out of whack. The train's off the tracks at this point. So three se- three games left. Um, what do you think a, they have to do to win the AFC South? I think they got to win out. You got to win out. I think. I mean, I, I I don't see a path. Well, the good news is again the Texans and the Colts play each other. So it, technically, if you win two out of three, you could you could make it work. But I think from a from a standpoint of momentum, which like we can argue the validity of it. Until we're blue in the tooth, or long in the tooth, or whatever, blue in the face. I I think you got to win out just from a confidence standpoint. Because the, look, the Titans aren't going to roll over. Not in Nashville. Mm-hmm. They never do. Not against this team. And if you come in having you lost th- what you at that point, if you let's say you lost five two, in a row. I mean, you could lose five in a row, or you could have lost four of the last five. Tennessee's licking their chops. Mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel's going to be like, they sent us home. Yeah. Send them home. I at no point. I, so I think they got to win. I think they got to win out. I think to fix it, you kind of need Cam back, and you need to shake up that offensive line. If if it was me, I'd move Ezra to right guard. I'd sit Sheriff down. Let him be my my extra offensive lineman. Whatever the hell you got to do, I'd put Walker Little at left guard. And I mean, I you just don't have anybody else at center unless you went with Shatley. But I, that's what I do and on try a, and on sta- a confidence scale it. of you know we've seen the metrics. Jacksonville's got a seventy four percent chance to still win the AFC South. On a confidence scale for you, what's your confidence factor on a scale of one to a hundred that Jacksonville can pull things together and win the AFC South? Forty five. Forty five. Wow, under that, I, I would say about I'll say about sixty three. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little under that seventy four. Um, I think they can probably finish. And I said before the season started ten and seven. I adjusted uh, eleven and six. But I think if they finish ten and seven, they can win the AFC so South. I started saying it last week, and I just being around that building last week, I had zero confidence they were going to come in and compete with the Ravens. It feels like it's coming unraveled, and they don't know why or how to fix it. It just it just has that feeling. It had that feeling in the locker room. 
It had that feeling in every press conference, and that was the feeling at the game on Sunday. It was unraveled, and they're like, how do we put the string back together? We don't know. Uh, and it it just kind of feels like they they don't know they don't know mm-hmm. how to fix it. And that's I my confidence level's low. I mean especially it, it, I mean Trevor's in the concussion protocol. Could he be available this week possibly? Could he not? Do they 100%. win without Trevor on Sunday? Ugh. CJ Beathard against Baker Mayfield? <laughs> That's an XFL game, or what? Are we, what is this? You never game. It's gonna be high ratings for that game. Um, look, I, I don't know that. C- oh, well, look, CJ does give you something. CJ's gonna sling it. C- CJ's gonna sling it. CJ's like, what I got to lose? So maybe that helps you to some extent because he's just gonna go out there and sling it around. But I don't know that you're better off. Mm-hmm. Um, do they win? Probably not, unless the defense plays lights out. But this team doesn't seem to have that – you know, you see some teams where they rally around a backup quarterback. They're like, ah, you know, our guy's out. The defense, oh, we we got to pick up the slack yeah. now. We got your back. You had our – you know, and I, this team just doesn't seem – they're just like, mm, they handle their side of the ball. We know CJ is going to go do his thing, and we're the defense. And we're Defense played well against Lamar. I, I thought they played well against Lamar. They played fine. I mean, they played fine. I mean, you they got, gave up a bunch of rushing than... yards late. The offense gave them no no help. I mean, turnovers on offense. I mean, missed field goals. The the moment before before halftime is the most infuriating thing I've ever seen from from a Doug Peterson led team. I mean, look, the the offense definitely did them no favors. But I, my confidence is low. <laughs> it's it's low. I just when when you're on the slide and. They've been saying the same stuff for weeks. The mistakes have been there for weeks, and they just don't seem to have an answer for it. And Tampa's fighting for their playoff right. lives too, so the Bucks aren't just going to roll over. Carolina, they're all those guys are playing for jobs. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, my confidence level's low. I'm not sure. I, if, if, if I told you they lose these next three games, how surprised are you? I will be surprised to lose to Carolina. I I could see a one and two, but I I don't think they go zero and three. All right. I don't. I don't. I'm not that. Com- I'm not. I'm not that confident that um, that Jacksonville would would go there. But hey, they've played terribly at home. They have, they've they played terribly at they home. Do. If they played in Carolina, I'd feel better about the game. They played terribly at the bank. Terrible. I mean, look, we talked about how long it's been since they got a primetime game. I'll watch how long it is until they get the next one. Yeah. They. You'll have a you'll have a head of gray hair by that time, Jamal. Yeah, you know, so it this team I had been trying to put off, you know, looking at the draft and starting to think about the offseason, but I think we're there. <laughs> I I I think we're there. Um, you know, any any sugar plums people had a, a trips to Vegas, you know, my preseason mm. prediction of a, a loss in the Super Bowl, yeah. I, uh, well, clearly, that was a pipe dream. Yeah, that was wrong. They, I mean, they could still get it turned around, but I I don't think so with. I still think they can win the AFC South. I don't think they lose out. Um, The Tampa game is absolutely huge. Um, You know, and and Doug and players have said it. Yeah, we still control in destiny. And, yeah, you controlled it, you know, from from the midseason point onward. And you've lost five to seven. And um, Oh, you'll love this. What is it? Trevor Lawrence in the concussion protocol. Nathan Rourke just claimed off waivers by the Patriots. Oh, wow. So now all the Jaguars have is C.J. Beathard. That's it. They have no other quarterback in the building. There you wow. go. So when, when you start thinking about things go from bad to worse, 
hello worse. Like now, now you have one quarterback left. If Trevor can't go this week, they have to get a guy off of the street to be CJ's backup. How about that? Whew. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting, uh, interesting conundrum that the Jaguars find themselves in. Not the moment that we thought they would be in when they were eight and three just a couple of weeks ago with a. Uh, Sugar plums dancing in their heads of the number one seed. And now everybody's just like, can they just get into the postseason? We don't know. It's a problem. It is. It's a problem. It is. Unreal. They they got problems. Uh, next up for the Jags is a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's going to be a big one for them as they try and uh, see if they can get the ship back on uh, on track for this team. Uh they got to win that one. They got to win that one. There's no way around it. Hey, thanks for hanging in here with us for this News for Jags podcast. Hopefully stuff gets better. I mean, it can't get much worse. So uh, <laughs> we'll be back. We'll see you next time.